and welcome to the next in our series of Boys Turner podcasts. I'm Emma O'Connor, Director and Head of our HR Training Academy here at Boys Turner. Through our podcasts, we'd like to bring you a range of topics and guests to share their experiences, give you some top tips, and also some things to think about when you're running your business or managing your people. Our topic in this podcast is equality, diversity and inclusion, an HR hot topic. We all want to create engaging and productive workplaces, attracting and retaining the best people. But how can being a more diverse and inclusive employer help us achieve these aims? To help me explore this topic, I'm joined by Chico Chakravorty from Training and Awareness Provider Doing Diversity Differently. Chico, it's brilliant to have you on the podcast today. Emma, thank you so much for having me. So Chico, let's dive straight in. And what is doing diversity differently and why did you set it up? Well, I think uh, what it is, is uh, hopefully a fairly holistic um, service provider to a wide range of different organisations to help them to understand what the benefits of having a more diverse and engaged and inclusive workforce is. Um, I have set up the organisation about two years ago, uh, just over two years ago now. Um, And through that, I've been working with either government departments or higher education institutions or ensembles within the classical music industry or tech companies to sort of help them connect better with their workforce to enable them to get much better results at the end of it. Um, And I think for me, that was the, the key reason in terms of why I decided to set up doing diversity differently. Um, I was seeing a number of different organisations look at various problem points that people from underrepresented backgrounds may well have, um, but they seemed to be all operating in silos, quite often very similar to within a corporate environment. And you might have a number of different strands of employee resource groups or employee networks um, that may well service your women uh, population, one for your LGBT plus uh, population, one for people of colour, those with disabilities, etc. Um, <clears throat> but they all tend to operate on their own uh, purpose and their own steam. And sometimes it's about thinking about how we can join the dots to create a slightly more effective programme of work for us to be able to go forward and to see the results that we want to be able to see. Also, when we talk about EDI, you know, there are a number of elements to it and a number of considerations for organizations. And, and I just wonder, Chico, what would your advice be to a business who is perhaps sort of thinking about developing, um, you know, a, a diversity and inclusion program? I think my advice would be to be curious. I think the, the main stumbling block that lots of organizations have, if they tend to be fairly homogenous in the makeup of people that work for them is that it feels very uncomfortable sometimes to understand what that first step that the organization is going to take or what that first step a leader is going to take into doing something that that creates a more uh, inclusive and equitable uh, culture within the company um, that will hopefully foster a sense of belonging and I think First off, being curious about it and and not thinking that there needs to be a response to everything that you may well 
discover as part of your conversations or as part of your research um, is, is a really good starting point. Um, for me, the way I see this is that diversity and inclusion, sadly, isn't a one-size-fits-all blueprint that we can just take and um, you know, roll out to every organisation. And the reason for that is because every organisation is made up of different people. Um, so we definitely see uh, people talking about diversity from what's classed as the protected characteristics here in the UK. Um, so the things that we can't discriminate against people on the basis of, um, such as uh, somebody's age or their ethnicity or their sexual orientation or their disability or their gender identity or their marital status, um, their pregnancy status, all of those different types of things. But actually, when you think about it, we can be incredibly different and diverse as people because of the experiences that we've had, the, the type of upbringing that we may well have had, all the schools that we went to, or the, the jobs that we've then gone on to, to work in, or the companies that we've been a part of. And all of those um, experiences contribute to what I class as our cognitive diversity which means that we process, we think, we react in different ways to those around us. So for me, I think uh, going out and having conversations with your, with your people and understanding what, what it is that they think we're not doing within the company is always a great start. Um, what are the experiences that customers or clients are telling us uh, that we might not be getting. Um, and not just asking our existing customers or clients, but asking clients, for example, who we might have had initial conversations with, but then chose to go to a different uh, provider mm -hmm. is always a really useful thing because sometimes we only know what we know and we can only get that information from those that we talk to. But sometimes it's how do we go out to the people that we aren't connecting with to better understand what needs we're missing um, in the services that we're providing for them. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think also it's about focusing on the things that you are doing well mm. as an organisation, because sometimes businesses sort of do things that have positive impacts, sort of almost by accident or, or unwittingly. And, and I, I just to sort of pick up on the, the, the points you were making there, I think sometimes when businesses sort of start on a, a, a programme, that, that often what, what they fail to do is sort of look at where they are now and, and sort of look at where they want to be and, and um, be interesting to sort of get, get your view on this. But I sometimes think that um, businesses sort of sort of rush off and do lots and lots of different things and think, you know, we've got a problem here, 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 here. And I see it very like the sort of the, the plate spinning. So you're sort of, you know, you're trying to keep all the plates spinning and you think you've got sort of one area. So, okay, we're going to do flexible working and that's working really, really well. But then sort of the other sort of plates sort of fall as, uh, as well. And, and sometimes maybe sort of starting off with sort of one, you know, one piece and then sort of building on it might be better than sort of trying to tackle um, all, all the sorts of issues. And, and I wonder whether, you know, you see barriers to, to, introducing these programs and, and what sort of barriers you you might see for me i always say that accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes mistakes are not a bad thing mistakes are how we learn mistakes are how we grow as individuals and as organizations it's what we do with those mistakes that then really defines how this is going to play out so that ability for us to be 
clumsily human, um, I think is a really critical way for us to, to, to kind of approach this. And for that barrier to be reduced um, is, is our own selves, is, is that thinking, that behavior within ourselves um, to, to actually get to a place where we can start looking at solutions to overcome some of those challenges that are presented by those barriers. So I love that being clumsy, clumsy humans. Um, I think that will resonate with it with a lot of our, our listeners. Um, you mentioned leadership and you mentioned mm-hmm. leaders. Why are our leaders so important, Chico? I think for me, when, whenever we look at any type of um, organisational culture, so much of this stems from what we see as being role models, as behaviours, as um, processes, as as different ways of working. Um, And that will always be taken from the leadership. Um, These issues might not necessarily always affect people in leadership posts um, and therefore might come from lower down in the organisation. But if we're not actually having those uh, correct behaviours, role models out by our leaders, then that's a, a really damaging thing because it, it just shows that we're, we're not being authentic we're not actually uh, embodying the values that we're trying to embed um, and I think you know one of the examples that you gave earlier was around flexible working and quite often I've gone into my clients and I've said you know it's fantastic that you have a flexible working uh, arrangement for your staff tell me who uses that um, and I will quite often see that sort of pin drop where um, the reflection is, ah, okay, it's normally uh, females and it's normally females of a certain age and they're normally leaving to go um, to pick up children from school um, or, or some sort of caring responsibility like that. And then the follow-up question that I will always ask is, what do you think that impact is if they are not seeing the leaders of the organisation leave? Do you see themselves seeing themselves as leaders at this point in time. You know, just thinking about it with, um, you know, with my lawyer's hat on now, there is mm. obviously a, um, a legal side to this as well. And, and often as, as a lawyer, we will see issues around um, equal opportunities where we've, where we've seen things that, that haven't worked. And we've seen um, employees bring claims against their, their employer for, um, you know, breaching equality rules and I think you know we forget that the, the awareness and the training piece particularly when we think about training around those legal areas the protected characteristics as, as you mentioned Chico I think it's really important to think that you know this is one piece of the of the, the puzzle and I think often businesses think well I've got the policy and I've I've done a bit of awareness training that's it and we've heard actually from the courts that no that that isn't enough uh, employers you know you've got to have yes the policy yes the awareness training some legal training as well but that's got to be refreshed and also we've got to monitor haven't we the effectiveness of that that training and, and that work that you've done within an organization and I just wonder from your perspective working with organizations who've perhaps you know started on this process and sort mm-hmm. of to where they've got to how would you say that 
that, that they can monitor the effectiveness. So what impact, what positive impact can, can, can working with an organisation and, and doing the work that you do, can, what, what positive impact can that, that have? So I, th- I think the positive impact that we look for in our, uh, in our work is to see more engaged um, employees and to see things like productivity go up and uh, things like employee engagement go up. Because when we see those happen, then that sort of has a very uh, distinct impact on an organization's profitability, on their kind of, you know, turnover, et cetera. And there are a number of studies that have been done um, that that show this. So, for example, um, you know, there's studies by Boston Consulting Group that show that when leadership teams are more diverse than their innovation revenues increase by 19% and their overall EBIT margins increase by 9%. Um, So we start seeing things like that. Um, But those are really hard to directly attribute to a diversity, inclusion and belonging program um, or training scheme that that we may well have done. Um, So that's a really hard piece. And I think that's often why it's, up until recently not been seen as a core priority because seeing those tangibles can be uh, much harder compared to I've done a system infrastructure um, which has enabled me to handle X number of calls uh, more than I had previously when I didn't have that uh, infrastructure in place. So what what I try to do is make sure that we're talking to our people um, on a regular basis. Um, so, for example, one of the, the services that I offer is doing a sort of a diagnostic audit of an organisation from their culture perspective. Um, and a big part of that is around looking at the, the kind of different diversity demographics, but actually understanding what the experiences of those people um, and the whole workforce is um, to, to kind of create an understanding of a what it is the organization needs to focus on doing um, and b so when you then go and check the same sort of questions uh, after say six months or 12 months you're then seeing that increase going forward um, so it, it's not just about saying how many people do we have in the organization that are um people with disabilities or people of color but actually because that's just a static point yeah and 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 you know you can even measure that next time round um to see has that number gone up or down but actually you don't really know what the differences are for me data only ever tells us what we want it to tell us um so what it's not telling us in those situations is for example how much longer is it taking uh, a female to get a promotion at work? Or um, is the uh, attrition rate for people with disabilities much higher than those without disabilities, et cetera? So actually thinking about the questions that we're asking is really critical. And then you can sort of measure those and sort of, you know, cross-analyze what people's experiences are and what their current feelings are around the workplace and how that is changing over time when we're doing this work and actually also monitoring you know what are the additional things that we're doing in between the training sessions to make sure that this continues 
the momentum that we need to. Because as you say, if you do it as just a, a one and done session, people are going to forget it. Absolutely. And I think we see a lot of this with um, gender pay gap reporting, Mm. that it's, you know, there's sort of this mad rush to get all the data in, you know, work out what our median, you know, pay ranges are and what's our bonuses. So we're sort of focusing on the data, but almost forgetting that, you know, the data is just, you know, one, one bit of all this. It's actually what we're doing with that data and what differences we are making in our, our gender pay gap and where that's come from over the, the years of reporting. Chica, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for sharing your enthusiasm. And I just wonder, before we finish, whether you could perhaps just share some final thoughts with our audience about some of the benefits of embarking on an ED&I journey and also some sort of tips about how to how to start absolutely and you know firstly thank you so much for having me it's been a a real pleasure uh to speak to you uh at boys tenor today um in terms of uh final thoughts i would firstly encourage people within their organizations um to think about what do they want to see as an outcome and think about why they want to see that as an outcome And uh, for that to kind of sort of be the starting point to to create that level of curiosity that we talked about at the beginning. Um, So it may, for example, be we want to see a higher level of representation of uh, different demographics within our workforce. Then go off and research what it is that that brings to your organization. What are the studies that are out there that have been done that that help to to sort of get different people that you might have as stakeholders that you need to convince along the way um, to to understand why we're thinking of doing this. Um, Think about uh, how you can get that insight from people within your workplace that, that may already Um, have certain lived experiences. Um, So that would be the sort of uh, starting place that I would go to for your organisation to define what benefits you want to see out of it. Um, And then in terms of how to go about it, um, I think for me, I, I try and make these things as inclusive as possible. Um, so I wouldn't just be going and reaching out to people of certain demographics within my organization. I'd be sending this out to everyone and saying, we want to improve the organizational culture for everyone and make sure that we're as inclusive as we can be. Now, in order for us to do that, we need your help. We need to understand what it is that that you think makes the company great, but we can amplify and replicate, and what it is that we're not doing that we need to look at embedding. Um, So those would be the ways that I would sort of start that out. But don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to go out and seek help from people um, that may well have different experiences. Some fantastic advice there. Thank you so much, Chico, for joining me today. Many thanks. Take care. Thank you so much, Emma. My thanks again to Chico for sharing his thoughts and recommendations and also for demystifying the topic and also about how you can start on your ED&I awareness and training journey. 
I totally agree that one size does not fit all. And also that we shouldn't be afraid of having clumsy uh, conversations and being clumsy humans and also knowing when and how to seek help. When we think about equality, diversity and inclusion, it's important to remember that we can't change the world, but we can make our corner of it a better place to be and a better place to work. More diverse workplaces, be it diversity of thought and opinion, to those focusing on the protected characteristics makes for a more engaged and productive environment. By having a clear and values-driven culture of equality, diversity and inclusion, whether this is awareness or, or training, can help us celebrate diversity and value our differences. Promoting those wanted behaviours through training and, yes, by focusing on our legal obligations as well, can also help organisations successfully defend discrimination claims in the employment tribunal. So let's focus on creating a sense of belonging. For more information about how Boyce Turner and doing diversity differently can help develop your programmes and run awareness and legal equal opportunities sessions, then please do get in touch. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts and I look forward to bringing you our next update soon. But for now, thank you for listening.